Hey everybody, this is Scott from Zonisodes. Mirror Image is going to be another one of our archive episodes from 2017. We had a guest host with us, and we want to share her opinions with you here in 2022. So we're going to be back with a brand new episode with The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street next week. But until then, join us in the vaults as we talk about Mirror Image. And be sure to find us at anchor.fm slash zone dash i dash sodes and find us on Twitter and Facebook and join the conversation as we continue to review every episode of The Twilight Zone. Thanks for sticking with us. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between radio and bar talk, between commentary and recaps, and it lies between the pit of man's Netflix subscriptions and the summit of his binge-watching ability. This is the dimension of podcasting and the Twilight Zone. These are the Zonisodes. And now your hosts, Brandon Davis and Scott McFarland. And hello to all of you out there in podcast world or land, however we're feeling today. This is... Uh, oh, you're hosting. You're hosting, so it's world. <laughs> it's world. <laughs> this is the Front Row Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Brandon Davis. And uh, this is episode 21 of Zone to Scott and my long trek through the history of the twilight zone episode by episode and uh, we're actually we're actually making a dent in season one finally scott sir i will have you know we are 13.5 percent in the way through the series 13.5 percent wow we're getting there we're getting there <laughs> <laughs> and uh today we are talking about mirror image and uh, we're just we've been kind of on a roll the last couple weeks with episodes we've had really really interesting ones to talk about and this week's no exception and uh, I've, I've given it away of course i have with me scott mcfarland but scott why don't you uh, why don't you introduce us to our guest that we have here this week with us on zone episodes well i decided to bring some education into this uh podcast here um <laughs> so uh Catherine is a friend of mine and uh, has been kind of following along with us on the uh, the show and watching episodes. And she's kind of a newbie to Twilight Zone, but I'll let her talk about that. Uh, but she <laughs> did mention um, a lot of literature cor uh, correlation um, between this episode and some other things, too, which, again, I'll let her talk about. So I felt it would be a perfect time to get her on the show. And this has been kind of a sausage fest. So I decided we needed a female sooner or later. Um, and finally, again, we need to have some high caliber education on here. Brandon, I think uh, you went to Lincoln Christian, correct? Yes, I did. I went to Western Illinois University. But Catherine here is a Princeton alum. So I think she she elevates our podcast uh, just a little bit. She does. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but I enjoy breaking up sausage parties. And so might as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible movie by the way I, I will never do a review of sausage party i tried watching it it didn't work out oh my thanks gosh. so much for having me guys i'm so excited to be in podcast uh, world or land or whatever it is yeah yeah it's great no matter which one you're in so <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyway, as, as I mentioned before, we're talking about mirror image. And so Scott, as always, get us started with a little plot synopsis. No, sir, I will not because you're breaking tradition. You will not. You, 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 Do I read Rod first? No, 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 no. Calm down. Calm down, Brandon. Oh. It's okay. <laughs> Whenever we have somebody new on the front row movie reviews, we have to ask them right. one question. Oh, yeah. Uh, Catherine, what's your favorite movie? Oh, my goodness. You guys are going to laugh at me. My favorite movie is Evita. Ah. With Madonna, Antonio Banderas, yeah. Evita. Yeah, yeah, that has absolutely nothing to do with the Twilight Zone. No, but it's not a bad choice. <laughs> but that, no, that Mad- is actually Madonna my favorite bl- movie. Madonna kind of belongs in the Twilight Zone, so I, it kind of... Well, that's true. <laughs> she does, like, reinvent herself every few yeah. years as a different creature. So. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you that. That episode comes later. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> on that synopsis time. Okay. Millicent Barnes is wait, waiting at the... T- uh, blah, 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 I'm going to start over. Millicent Barnes is waiting to take a bus from New York to Cortland to take on a new job. When she asks to check her bag with a very friendly ticket agent, he informs her that she has already spoken to him before. She denies it but realizes her bag isn't where she left it. She then goes to wash her hands, and in the window, or in the mirror, I'm sorry, she sees a copy of herself sitting in her seat in the waiting area. Then she meets Paul, who is waiting for the same bus. Paul tries to calm Millicent down to no avail. As they both board the bus, Millicent sees her double already sitting on that bus and faints. The bus leaves without Paul and Millicent, but Paul stays behind with her uh, and promises to take her on the next bus with him. In fact... He has called the authorities to take her away to the funny farm. As Paul waits alone for his bus, he too sees his double. He chases after him only to have the double disappear. Nice. And I will uh, read you what Rod had to say here at the beginning of this episode. Millicent Barnes, age 25, young woman waiting for a bus on a rainy November night. Not a very imaginative imaginative type is Miss Barnes, not given to undue anxiety or fears, or for that matter, even the most temporal flights of fantasy. Like most young career women, she has generic classification as a, quote, girl with a head on her shoulders, end of quote. All of which is mentioned now because, in just a moment, the head on Miss Barnes' shoulders will be put to a test. Circumstances will assault her sense of reality, and chain of nightmares will put her sanity in a block. Millicent Barnes, who in one minute, will wonder if she's going mad. So let's start with first impressions here of Mirror Image, and we'll start with our guest first, Catherine. Okay, so I was really intrigued by this episode, and that's kind of how this whole thing got started, was I watched this, and speaking of my edumacation, as Scott likes to call it, (laughs) I uh, kind of reached back, way back into my memory, and remembered a story that I had read in a seminar I took in college, on Fyodor Dostoevsky. And uh, Dostoevsky doesn't write anything this short. So (laughs) we were reading like 700, 800 page novels. And then we read this thing that is called one of his short stories, but it's actually 130 pages long as I rediscovered when I got it from the library. But it's called The Double. And it's about a guy whose life is destroyed by his double, by his twin. And uh, so I can talk more about that later if you want me to, but that was kind of what piqued my interest in this episode. And I, it made me actually go get it from the library. And I'm so excited that my 
efforts in getting it from the library and reading all 130 pages were actually rewarded by getting to be on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Scott, first impressions? You see kid libra kids' libraries were these buildings that held books in them. <laughs> hey. Hey. Um, so this is one of those uh, episodes that's in kind of not really huge rotation on syndication, but it pops up quite a bit. So I've seen it before. Uh, it definitely is one of those where um, it, there, there's not much to it in terms of scenery and acting. So, I mean, acting actors. Uh, so it relies a lot on character and a lot on the actors that, uh, that throw it out there. And I think they do an excellent job. Um, yeah. One thing that is interesting, I think it's actually just a mistake on Netflix is the episode prior, uh, when you watch it all the way to the end on Netflix, you get a little bit of the next week's episode that Rod always did. Uh, and we don't see those on Netflix uh, or Hulu. Um, you'd have to watch them on the Blu-ray to see them all. But it's interesting because what he says uh, on the previous episode going into this one is he's been told by many that he can't write women. So he wrote this episode to prove them wrong using Millicent. So I, I think it'll be interesting to talk about if Rod proves people wrong or not. And another reason why uh, I, I felt we needed to have Catherine on here to actually, you know, be a woman, I guess. Oh, great. I'm the token woman. Thanks. Yay. <laughs> no, this, this was an episode like, uh, this is one of the ones I hadn't seen. And so I was, uh, I was looking forward to seeing it just because first of all, Vera Miles is in it and I'm a Vera Miles fan. I, we've talked about her already on the podcast with psycho and maybe someday eventually they'll hear Scott and I talk about her on the searchers. <laughs> it's only been in the can for six months, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, okay. I actually asked, this is so very behind the scenes. I'm sorry, folks who don't care. I asked Jeremy, a few weeks ago, if he's ever going to release the searchers and he said he'd think about it. So <laughs> that's our editor. Well, we'll, for you. we'll, we'll get, it'll be released eventually, but no, this was uh, the, this was an episode that intrigued me from the very beginning. And like you said, uh, to me, the best episodes we've watched so far have been the ones that have had kind of the minimal settings and very few characters where Rod really gets to delve into real character development and like we mentioned many many times before rod was very very good at casting he cast some very good actors in the four real roles that you have in this in this episode but um the, there's a lot of stuff that works in this episode um i'm the, that i'm anxious to talk about and um a lot of interesting twists and turns and um just just some really really good solid writing from rod and this was this is actually one of the ones he wrote completely on his own which is which is pretty pretty telling and interesting but uh catherine let's start with you though what are some of the things about this episode that work for you so really the main thing that worked for me was the character of millicent i, I think that in as much as he was criticized for his writing women I, I think that this really is an answer to that and just to to go back into kind of the the reading that i was doing and it, it's interesting, I, I looked it up and apparently Rod said he just got the idea from being in an airport and seeing a man who was dressed like him and carrying the same suitcase. And then he turned around and it didn't look anything like him, but he yeah. started thinking, what would have happened if this had been my double? Uh, so, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe 
Rod Serling didn't, you know, read Dostoevsky, but I like, I like <laughs> to think maybe he did because, uh, so the double was written in the 1840s and he's writing about this low-level functionary in the Russian bureaucracy named Yakov Petrovich Goyadkin. And he's just this very type. character. He's, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I still speak a tiny bit of Russian. I don't remember most of it from college. But, <laughs> sure. But, he, <laughs> but he's, a, he's a terrible social climber. He's socially awkward. He doesn't do like more than an hour of work in the entire 130 page novel because he's always busy, you know, with all these intrigues. And his double shows up. And his double looks like him and is named the same thing as him and dresses like him, but is his exact opposite. He's confident. He can win over the ladies and his coworkers. He can do everything he can. By the end of the story, the original Gileadkin is being pushed into a carriage to be taken off to the funny farm. And I think, to me, this episode, if it was at all based on this, kind of turns it around, whereas Dostoevsky's novel is funny. It's satire. It's a little bit creepy, but mostly it's just making fun of these bureaucrats and their social climbing. And Rod turns this concept into something just incredibly creepy. And the reason is Millicent. The reason is this character, that it is very believable what he says about her at the beginning that she has a good head on her shoulders and she's rational and she's not going crazy. And that's exactly why I think this episode works so well because we see her descent into what looks like madness. And whereas Paul is trying to shove her off with the, the police to go get evaluated, I think we as the audience believe her that yeah. this is really happening. And of course we see, we see the double. And, and so I think he kind of took a chance there. I mean, I think even now women are not taken quite as seriously and are thought of as more emotional and more like, well, maybe you're just seeing things, maybe you're just having delusions, but certainly in the sixties that would have been assumed more often. And so he really takes a chance. I think he could have done this much more easily if he'd cast a man, but instead he says, you know, let me see if I can make you believe that this woman who's seeing these fantastic things is the one telling the truth. Yeah, one thing that I think that Rod Serling does really well, and we've seen it in past episodes already, is that he puts you right in the middle of the action with the protagonist in every episode. You're never a step ahead of them the way that you would be in certain other types of shows or movies, so that when she's having her little conversation at the beginning with a ticket agent, you're just as confused as she is in the beginning. And so you're you're discovering everything along with her and so you're kind of in your own little descent into madness kind of with her and i think that's sort of rod serling's strength with this episode and other episodes we've seen um scott what do you think any uh what are the things that work for you best in this episode without a doubt millicent herself um because as catherine's already said this uh, this episode could fall apart very easily if you do not get behind her character uh, and if you do not want to care about what's going on with her. The other thing, too, I would assume even more so in 1960, but even now, she runs the risk of going down the, you know, just the crazy character motif and, you know, just kind of bouncing off the walls saying she's not crazy and everyone else thinks that she is. And they never really do that. They definitely hit on the fact that the ticket agent and Paul 
assume that she's not actually all there. But we as the audience never get that feeling. We actually, you know, understand what's going on and she takes us along for that ride too. So I, I think that she definitely makes the episode. Um, I also just like the idea, you know, we, we, we joke a lot on the show that Rod has four or five themes that he hits on a lot. Uh, and one of those big themes we're actually going to talk about next week, but with this one um, it's something new. And not only is it something new, it's something that is scientific in nature. Um, I am a huge nerd when it comes to quantum mechanics and quantum physics. And the whole idea behind all of this is parallel worlds, quantum entanglement, the idea that there are, uh, there are definitely more of you out there than just you. And um, sometimes there are connections that could potentially bridge the gaps of light years, if not uh, dimensions. And so it's really interesting to see this kind of true scientific idea that was around in the 60s, but definitely was not as um, as pop culture as it is nowadays, but still being kind of utilized and utilized well. And to a fact where Melissa even brings it up, in the episode and she talks about how she's read about this kind of stuff. So it's, it's definitely very, very fun for me as a, as a, um, I want to be scientist to watch this as well too. Well, yeah. I think he kind of mixes like these newer, more scientific concepts with mm -hmm. some very old superstitions. I mean, the idea of the doppelganger under various names goes back to a lot of different cultures, Greek, Roman, Norse, and there's superstitions about uh, if you see your double, you might be about to die. It might be bad luck. It might be sign of a disfavor from the gods or something like that. So I, mean, I think there is, throughout a lot of cultures, kind of this basic fear of seeing a mirror image of yourself. And then so he takes that and then brings it into, like you're talking about, kind of this emerging quantum theory and parallel universes idea. Well, I agree. I mean, I can't look at one of me in the mirror without getting scared to hell. So if there was two of me, <laughs> holy God, that is scary. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say we can all be thankful for that. But I <laughs> but, I <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the, you all have both mentioned it, but, you know, uh, Vera Miles and her portrayal of Millicent is one of the standouts in this episode for me. I really think that, and, and you mentioned it, Scott, that the way she volunteers this information about the metaphysical world and everything, which really shows you, as Rod says in his opening, you know, she's a girl with a head on her shoulders. And so it's really, it's really easy to see that she's not falling into madness. She really is aware of what's going on and that um, she's, she's really in her right mind. But I also like, I, I do like Martin Milner's portrayal of Paul because he's not this sort of, um, he, he's not this sort of, you, you know, character that's just there to kind of be support for her because he's, he's sympathetic, but he's not, you know, because he's the one who eventually, you know, turns her into the police. But um, he's, he's sort of there along with her and he's willing to go along with her a little bit. But I think that Martin Milner, he kind of walks that line really, really well in this episode where if you cast, you know, a real cookie cutter guy, it wouldn't have had the same effect. Agreed. But, uh, but, uh, 
I also like um, I also like Naomi Stevens as the washroom attendant. I think that she's a very um, she, she's she's another character who shows you know real sympathy for Millicent as well. Um, and, but 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 the the great thing is that no one is really cookie cutter in this episode. Even the 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 two smaller characters, the ticket agent and the washroom attendant, they're all kind of they're sympathetic but they're doubtful. And so that's that's an interesting thing to see. And um, just I really. You know, I enjoyed the uh, twist at the end of Paul having his own doppelganger, uh, which I'm sure we'll probably get into as well. But uh, Catherine, let's go with you now. Is there anything in this episode that didn't work for you? Well, I'm going to disagree with you, Brandon, about Paul. (laughs) To me, I I think he kind of distracted a little bit because he was so smarmy. I mean, I would almost say a little rapey. I mean, he goes, he sits right down next to this woman. He's dripping wet and he's like an inch from her. He's kind of only interested in her for as long as she seems like she might be an easy target. I mean, as soon as she starts talking about intellectual stuff, he's like, okay, that's it. I'm out. I'm calling the police. I'm out. <laughs> the, the other character, I think the ticket taker, I think he was a little bit of a distraction because he was just so rude. I spent a lot of this episode wondering like, what is this guy's problem? <laughs> So just those couple so, of things. So, right. so Catherine, would you care to talk about your past experiences that make you dislike Paul? <laughs> hey, I've always found our Amtrak station pretty creepy, you know? <laughs> Nobody's ever sat that close to me in it, though. <laughs> Which is hard to believe because there's like five seats in our Amtrak station. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Scott, what didn't, what didn't work for you in this episode? No. I, I didn't get the, the, the creep bite off Paul, but now I'm starting. I'm starting to look at it in a different I'm light st- now. I'm st- this I'm is why you have too. a woman on. I'm starting to see it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I. I, I think hmm, there's nothing really that really stands out to me as something that's off on the episode. Um, I kind of wish that maybe they would have delved into the science more, but again, I got to realize this is a 1960s 30 minute uh, TV show. So I think I'm, I think I'm asking for a little bit too much uh, (laughs) to go into that, but it would have been interesting for me to kind of take this one step farther because Millicent says they can't exist in our world unless they're the only copy. So that means that we have to disappear and we never see that. Uh, Millicent goes off to the rubber room somewhere and Paul tries to chase down his double and the double kind of just vanishes on him. So we never see that there, there seems to be some kind of evilness, I guess, to them, especially, you know, Millicent's double kind of has that, that smile on her face when she realizes that she got on the bus and Millicent didn't. So we assume that that double's now going to take on her job and take on her life. But I think it would have been interesting to see that uh, taken a little bit more uh, farther and maybe going off what Catherine's point out, if we ditch Paul, we would have had some more time to examine that. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I, I don't, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a TV show in 1960, but I feel like 
on Twilight Zone. We've seen better special effects, but you know, as great as the doppelganger twist is, the 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 uh, the, um, the the split screen of the two doppelgangers <laughs> doesn't hold up. <laughs> Brandon was hoping for multiplicity. That, you know. But other than that, it <laughs> it, it, uh, it, it it worked fine. Um, but but real, but all in all, in my mind, a, a really really strong episode to sort of be stuck here in the middle of the of the first season. Um, you know, this is this is kind of an episode we've seen themes like this before, but we really haven't seen an episode like this before. I don't think Scott have we. No, uh, and I think we're going to delve into this a little bit more down the road um, in one of the 130-some-odd episodes left. But um, this is the first time we've kind of dealt with this kind of um, somebody taking over your life and all of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could kind of go with the four of us are dying as kind of the same somewhat idea. But I think that's kind of a stretch. Yeah, maybe. Um, before we get now to um, our our rankings for this episode, let's kind of get into our um, sort of our our closing or final thoughts. Catherine, do you have any other final thoughts about this episode before we let you rank along with us this episode? Oh, I don't think so. Without getting way too much more into uh, literature and other nerdy <laughs> things that would take us another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Scott, any other final thoughts about this episode? No, I, I think we hit on it. I, and part of what you said, Brandon, was we are definitely on a roll here. I mean, look at the last few, let's, let's exclude the fever. <laughs> Yes. Just for a minute, but yes, we have please. we have we have we had Hitchhiker, Last Flight, Purple Testament, Elegy, yeah, but still okay. And now Mirror Image, which I think a lot of people rate as one of the higher episodes, and we'll see how we rate it here in a minute. But mm-hmm. without a doubt, Twilight Zone and Rod are on their are on their A game here, and I'm, it's exciting to watch. And um, yeah, I, I I won't bury the lead. Next week's going to be fun, oh, very yeah. fun. It'll be great. And and Scott, you kind of mentioned at the beginning, but I wanted to ask Catherine. Um, he said that you were kind of newer to the Twilight Zone. Are you kind of experiencing it for the first time here, listening to us? Or? Most most of them, yes. I definitely remember watching reruns of the Twilight Zone with my father when I was growing up, and I don't remember any specific episodes. Just it was something that we enjoyed, enjoyed talking about, and it was nice and creepy. And yeah. uh, so when I saw that you guys were doing this, I'm a front row movie reviews watcher slash listener and so when i saw that you guys were doing this i thought oh you know what i should check out the twilight zone again and i got started um just decided to go through in order and uh, my boyfriend has been very good about putting up with this but i've also had to put up with his samurai movies so that's okay (laughs) it's not even close to a fair trade i win (laughs) awesome yeah i think you do too but uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, as we uh, as we get to the end of this episode, if you're joining us for the first time on Zonisodes, what we do is we rank each episode on a scale of 1 to 10, just comparing them to other episodes of The Twilight Zone. So a 10 is the best The Twilight Zone has to offer. A 5, 
which most people would think of as failing, is an average Twilight Zone episode. It's perfectly fine, just nothing that stands out. And a one, as Scott likes to put it, is the bewitching pool, which I'm saving till the end, I promise. <laughs> Save yourself, sir. It's well worth the wait. Take that as you will. And uh, let's see. We'll have Scott. We'll have you go first, though. Um, oh, give okay. me your ranking for this episode. Um, well, darn. Um, I'm hovering between a seven and an eight, uh, and I don't know where I need to fall on this one. I, I have been kind of stingy on my higher grades, and I'm looking at my score sheet because I, I made a score sheet so I can keep track of where we are on these things. And um, man, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give it an eight. I think this is a quality episode. I think it's uh, it's 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 uh, it's got a lot behind it, and the acting is uh, extraordinarily good. And as I mentioned, there's not much negative I can say about it, so I feel like I have to give it a pretty high score because of that. So I'm gonna give it an eight. Cool, Catherine. We let our guests rank the episodes that they uh, that they talk about. So where would oh. you put this episode? We're not entirely yeah. sure we'll count it, but we'll we'll take your <laughs> score. Hey, come on. I was going to preface this by saying that I almost gave up on this entire enterprise when I saw the fever. And I really can't imagine that anything is worse, but yeah, I'll hold out for the bewitching pool. In two two years' time, you guys are going to have an amazing experience. Moose and squirrel! (laughs) You've really built this up in our minds. I got to do something because it it lands with a thud, let me tell you. I think I am also going to go with an eight. There are a couple of them that I've liked better so far, but I think it's a really solid episode. I think it raises a lot of themes and it's a, it's a simple enough plot, but it's not just a one note episode. And I think it is just brilliant and showing that descent into madness and seems like an eight to me. Yep. Well, I'm not going to break the trend. I'm going to give it a third straight eight here. Um, as I've as I've said before, I've you know, and I tend to rank on a higher curve than Scott does. <laughs> Although we've come pretty close, we haven't differed too much. I'll save the stats for our season ending, whatever we want to call it. <laughs> but I will say you grade on a higher curve than I do, and I'll just leave it I at do. that. I do. Although probably not as high as like Jeremy would, because we know Jeremy likes everything. It's iconic! Yay! I'll tell you what. I have to point out, I'm sorry, you mentioned Jeremy, and he's probably not going to listen to this even though he's our editor-in-chief. But if he does, (laughs) just right now, our friend Lou Hare, who has done some of the, um, well, all of the brackets with us, we did all the 90s brackets, and right now on his Facebook, he's doing the brackets for the 80s movies, which is what I'm really excited about. And one of these days we'll do a show about it. Uh, But we're kind of in the Elite Eight and it came down to, on one side, Ghostbusters versus Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And <laughs> Jeremy said that Ferris was a better, um, uh, a better uh, symbol of the 80s than mm. Ghostbusters. And I just, told, I just told Jeremy on Facebook that we can't be friends anymore. So I may be fired, but... That's damn it, totally justified. Ghostbusters is better than Ferris Bueller. And I'm just going to leave it... <laughs> Yeah, I get you. I Brian's get you, like, I don't anyway. care. <laughs> no, no I, I was on the Ghostbusters podcast. You can see that in our flashbacks. It was an exciting episode. My daughter came in and started yapping for a few minutes. It was fun. She did. She did. But uh, but but yeah, I, I 
all the reasons you gave it an eight, I give it an eight because it's solid, really, really good episode. But the ones that I give in the nines and tens just have that little something extra uh, for me that, you know, this one might not have. But like I said, if we were watching them out of order instead of the way that we've been watching them in succession might stand out a little bit more. But we've just been on a really high curve with mm. really good episodes so far. And uh, next week, we're going to have a really, really good one, too to talk about which i know scott is prepped and ready for but uh <laughs> i am being calm i am going to measure my response to that episode and i will not get myself in trouble or fired anywhere <laughs> <laughs> all right great well as we uh as we wrap up episode 21 and uh before i finish with uh with the words of Rod Scott, do you want to do any plugging for us? Tell people where they can find us. Talk about our new feed. I enjoy the plugging. Okay. You can find us and all of the front row at the front row movie reviews.com. And as Brandon alluded to, we are also on our brand new podcast feed. So if you're looking at the, well, if you are, you're not hearing this, but if you're on the front row movie <laughs> reviews feed, uh, getting all of those episodes that come out like Brandon's classics, my flashbacks, uh, where Brandon, you can sooner or later hear Brandon's classics on the searchers. Uh, he did have a Maltese Falcon drop this week. So that was yeah. fun. Uh, and you can hear our flashbacks. Uh, my la- latest one was Transformers 1986. Uh, you can also hear our reviews of new movies and so forth and so on. And it uh, continues on. But uh, if you want to hear us full time, uh, you have to go find the Zonasodes feed, which is pretty easy because you can either find it at thefrontroommoviereviews.com or in the show notes of this episode you're listening to right now, you can find the link to it too. So be sure to check that out. And Brandon, as you mentioned, when we were talking about scores, if somebody's new to this and we, we talk about the, how we do the scores every week, uh, the stats are playing out that we are getting a lot of new people every week. So this is building and we really do appreciate that. Uh, and please um, let other f- folks know about us. Uh, this has uh, been a fun ride that was really, we're just getting started, believe it or not, 21 episodes in, uh, but we're enjoying it and we want to share uh, our love for this TV show with others. So please share and let other f- people know that uh, what's going on. Great. And uh, before we close, I just want to say, Catherine, it's been great having you with us. And uh, any other episode you feel like and want to come on again, let us know. Thanks. It's fun being the token woman. I've enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm here to tell you when men are being creepy on TV shows. It's a great free service I provide. (laughs) Isn't every episode of every TV show ever? Ding, ding, ding. You got it. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Great. Thanks. And uh, before we close out, though, I will read Rod's closing narration for this episode. Obscure and metaphysical explanation to cover a phenomena. Reasons dredged out of the shadows to explain away that which cannot be explained. Call it parallel planes or just insanity. Whatever it is, you will find it in the Twilight Zone. So as we come to the end of this episode, I am Brandon Davis. I'm Scott McFarland. And I'm Catherine Eastfold. And we will see you on the couch. If our double doesn't get us first. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Zonasodes. Zonasodes is a special presentation of the Front Row Movie Reviews podcast. For more information, go to www.thefrontrowmoviereviews.com.